0: wondering, does he know how to do the fan? I know how to do the fan. I can do it. Some of you are wondering, I didn't know that that was called the fan. Is that really what that's called? The game is Uno. And, uh, before we get going, does anyone want to, uh, well, does anyone want a chance to win a gift card to Woods Coffee? Uh, okay. Um, so you're going to pick a color. You're going to pick a color. Yeah. And then, um, we're going to turn the, the top card and see if you're right. Okay. Do you know the colors of Uno? Okay. What's your color? Red. Oh! Hold on. Stay there. Stay there. Uh, good luck. Good luck. But there should be enough. Oh, nice. There should be enough on that for you and uh, possibly the, the car behind you. So go ahead and share some love. It is hotter than snot. So... I'm sure someone would appreciate that. Uh, last service, it took three, t- three tries. So, well done. That's awesome. Or my shuffling is terrible. One of the two. Uh, you have to understand, Uno at my house is, is a very big deal. It's a big deal. Um, because my family is fairly competitive. And my son Nolan is six. And, um, well, he's a big fat cheater, is really what it is. So, I don't know how else to describe it other than that. But here's what Nolan does. Um, he will stack the deck in his favor, or he will reshuffle the cards. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll be in the kitchen. He's like, dad, can you get me something to drink? I'm like, sure, but I got you. So I get something. I come wh- back out and I see Nolan, like just moving things around. And then he'll go like, Vroom. I'm like, Hey bud. He's like, hi, dad. I'm like, what you doing? He goes, nothing. Are you ready? I'm like, sure. And he's all, cause you're going to lose. And then he doesn't deal properly. Right. He goes, he's dealing to himself. He goes seven cards to himself. You know, what I mean, and then he goes, okay, dad, here's yours. And he's got all the like draw twos and draw fours and wilds and, and all of that. He does the classic like card up the sleeve thing. But here's, here's what gets me. This is a new rule that he made up because that's, that's what you do when you're six. You make up rules to card games. Um, he says, if you play two draw twos in a row, the next card that you play, you have to draw that many cards. Are you with me? So he'll do a draw two, and I'm like, ah, I take my two cards. He'll do another draw two. I'm like, ah, oh, you got me again, Nolan. Draw my two cards, and he goes, Dad, the next card I play, you have to draw this many cards. And he goes, boom, and it's always like an eight or a nine or something ridiculously high. I'm like, ah, oh, you got me again, bud. So I'm doing the thing and grabbing all the cards. And and how many of you know? If you don't know the rules of the game, you make up your own rules, right? We call them house rules or whatever, right? But if you don't know the rules of the game, you make them up. And if you've ever played with someone who doesn't know the rules of the game and they've made up their own, what do they do? They make you play to their rules. And that's frustrating. And both people get mad. And if you keep doing this over and over again, you end up hating the game and you end up hating the player. But all of you know, right, you're not supposed to hate the player, hate the game or vice versa. You decide. Anyways, the idea is simply this. If, if we don't know the rules, we make up our own rules and we want people to play by them. And here's the deal. That never works. It never leads to something good. And not only do we make up our own rules and want people to play by those rules. We get frustrated when our own rules to the game don't get us the result that we want. So pop quiz, my son, Nolan makes up rules to own to uno, right? And he wins. Has he really won Uno? No. no, he's won his version of it, but his version is not the actual game. Are you with me? So he didn't get the end result that he wanted. He wanted to win at Uno. He didn't. He wanted his make-believe game that uses Uno cards. But you and I, we do this in life all the time, don't we? We constantly do this in life. We do this in pick whatever category of life you want and we make up our own rules. Can I give you a couple examples? Uh, one of them is Driving. You guys, uh, you know, you took your, your driver's license test no one. <laughs> yeah. You take your driver's license test, which means like you, you read the book and then you, you go behind the wheel and you do the thing. Right. Does anyone remember all the rules? Yeah. So we make up a couple of them, don't we? And I, I'm from California. So you have the speed limit and the rule that we make up in California is whatever the speed limit is add five. They can't pull you over in Washington. You guys subtract five. <laughs> you guys drive slow. No sense of urgency. California, like we got things to go, you know. Uh, so it, it case in point, uh, one Sunday morning I was driving here and um, I was running a little late. And so I was trying to make up time, right? I made the rule that if you're late to church, you can speed and that's okay. So uh, you know where this is going, but I, I, I'm, I'm driving up and uh, take the guide and hook a right and drive through the cemetery. You know, the car wash that's right there. Yeah. Turns out um, cops, live, they love to hide there. And when you go more than five over the speed limit, um, they 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 pull you over. So I was doing a couple miles over the speed limit, and I pull in right, like, right in front of church. I'm talking right in front of church. And I put my car in park, and I turn off the keys, and I look up, and I see these big old flashing lights. I'm like, son of a gun, here we go. And I was preaching that morning. <laughs> so I did what all of you do dear Jesus, if you get me out of this, I promise I will never. Right. So I do one of these things and, uh, the guy walks up and, you know, you do the whole thing and he goes, Hey, where are you going? I said, actually, officer, um, I'm going here. He goes, you go to this church. And I said, I don't just go. (laughs) I'm preaching this morning and proof. There is a God. He said, okay, I'm going to let you off with a warning. Just, you know, come on, man. Don't, don't, speed. And I said, glory, hallelujah. And we went our separate ways. And then I thought, Oh no, does he go to our church? <laughs> Cause I don't think the sermon was like grace and mercy. I think it was like, anyways, but then I thought, well, if he's not going to our church, should I invite it? Like a conflict of, I had no idea what to do. So if, if you're here or you're watching online, like, thanks. And I, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're here. Um, but we do, we make up the rules, right? Speed limit. You're like, just add five. No big deal. Cops can't pull you over subtract five. It's okay. If you go super slow, that's not dangerous at all. Right? We just make up our own rules. Um, you ever do this with return policies? You ever buy something and you get 30 days to return it. And then day 45 comes and you're like, Oh, I got to return this thing. So what do you do? You call up customer service and you say, Hey, like I, you know, I need to return this thing for whatever reason you make up, but I have to return this thing. No one laughed at that. (laughs) Interesting. We're going to let that one slide. Um, So you call, right? And you, you tell them the thing and they say, sorry, we can't accept your return. And you go, why? And they say, well, you know, we have a 30 day thing. And I said, well, I know, but like I, that's for other people. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm the exception to this rule. I just made this up. I'm entitled. I want my way. I'm selfish. So I need you to do this because after all the customer is always right. And they say, but sir, you entered into a contractual agreement. It's a 30 day policy. I, you can't return it. We can't accept it and refund your money back. This, this is what it is. And I say, you don't understand. As I'm making up the rules, trying to get my own specific outcome. So you don't understand. This thing doesn't work. It's not the right one. It's the wrong color. It, uh whatever. Right. And he said, I, I can't do anything about it. It is what it is. These are the rules to the game. And I leave frustrated. Because, again, my rules that I made up that I want other people to play by didn't get me the result that I was after. We do this in every category of our life, in our relationships as well. Uh, we do this with our kids. There's a mantra that parents say. It, it's horrible, uh, but I do it just as much as I think the next person, but uh, how's it go? It says, uh, do, do as I say, not as I do. You've heard it. And the end result, and it's our rules because we're the parent, right? The end result is we want the kid to just do the thing that we asked. But on a deeper level, the end result that we want we want to raise men and women who have godly character and integrity And we're teaching them when you get into a position of power and authority You can just tell people what to do and it doesn't matter if your lifestyle matches up with it See we're, we're making up our own rules And we expect other people to play by them and when they don't we get frustrated And and worst of all it it doesn't work for anybody We never get that result that we're longing for that we're after for we do it in every category of our life and And if you're new here, if you're new to church, you have to understand that this is a community of people that believe in God and he's the creator of everything, heaven and earth, you and I land animals, all of this stuff. He's all powerful. He's all knowing his presence is everywhere. And if he created this thing, we just believe that he knows what he's doing. So if he created life that you and I live in and he created you and I, he would have the instruction manual on how to live life. But what I do, and I'm sure a couple of you have tried this as well, is I make up my own rules because I want to do my own thing and I want a specific outcome. And what happens when I make up my own rules? I don't get the end result that I want because I find myself in a ditch or making foolish decisions and then I have to go back to the book of Proverbs and get some wisdom to play by God's rules. But we do this all the time. We play our, our, our own game with our own rules and God's going, no, 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 you want to play the game of life and win? I've, I've given you a set of rules. So we've got to play the game this way. So if you have a Bible, we're going to jump into our proverb. And I, I, this has been a foundational one for my life, and I, I hope it is for you. But pull out your Bible or your phone or whatever you have and go to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, and we'll pick it up in verse 19. Here's how Solomon describes this whole situation that we've been talking about. Now, you may be familiar with the King James Version. I actually think the ESV is a better translation of it. Uh, it says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. King James is where there is no vision, the people perish. You might be more familiar with that one, but they, they don't actually die. Do you know what I mean? They just cast off restraint. And us as Americans, we don't like any sort of restraint. So we're like, yeah, let's get rid of them. Like America, freedom, woo, fireworks, boom. Like that's what we want. You can't tell me what to do. I'm an American. I'm free. But I'm telling you, like, that mindset is very dangerous. That's not actually freedom. That's chaos. And maybe the attitude of a selfish little brat. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And no one can tell me otherwise. That That's not freedom. That's chaos. And so Solomon says, where there is no prophetic vision, where there's no vision from God, the people, the community will cast off restraint. And restraint is actually good for us. Imagine for a moment, so Disneyland opened up recently and imagine you're on Thunder Mountain or even Space Mountain. Pick your favorite ride. And you're going up, right? Click, 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 click. And you know what's about to happen, right? You're going. And right at that last click, what do you do? You cast off restraint. The shoulder, heart, the lap bar, all of it. You just get rid of it. Woo, here we go, baby. What's going to happen? Help me out. You're going for a ride, but it's a different one splat restraint is actually good. And so many people, they go, they come to God's word and they're like, ah, there's so many do's and don'ts and all these rules. And I don't, ah, what do I do? I just want to be free. I just want to live my own life. I want to live by my own rules. And I'm trying to tell people, man, there is so much freedom in Christ but you just, you have to understand. Think, think of a bowling alley for a little bit. Let's use this center aisle as the bowling alley. Now you've got your lane, right? So, um, I've got the bowling ball and in the back there are the pins, right? So just vision it. And and what do you do? You look down the center and you get ready and you bowl. What's on the sides? Gutters, right? You've got gutters. And the whole idea is that you aim straight ahead and you knock down all the pins, Now imagine for a moment that I look straight ahead and I go, I'm gonna knock down all the pins and I just throw it in the gutter. What happens? Zero. And I go, oh man, I should have gotten a strike, I should have gotten all of them. That's not how that game works. Think of God's vision for your life, God's prophetic vision for your life. Think of that as the bumpers that go up over the gutter. You've got, here's your boundaries. It's right here, this whole aisle. You can have as much playtime and freedom and joy and happiness as much as you want. Do it in here. And you know how you did back in the day when you were a kid, right? The joy of children. You had your bowling ball that weighed like an ounce, right? You had this thing and you saw the gutter and you're like, here we go. Boom. And you just did the pinball thing. All the way down. And you're screaming and high-fiving. And then you bring the little ramp up and you like eyeball this thing. And then go, boom. And you throw a couple bowling balls. You could do whatever you want. Because God's vision is there You're within those boundaries Now you and I When we get creative And we want to make up our own rules What do we do? We get rid of the boundaries And we throw a ball And it goes in the gutter And we're like Well how did I end up in the gutter? You play by your own rules It doesn't work that way So we got to get a godly vision for our life Because he says What's he saying? What's he say?" He says Where there is no prophetic vision The people cast off restraint So we need to get a vision and listen to what Solomon says. Here's the second part of this. He says, but blessed, happy, joyful, favored. Uh, it, it's a joy that surpasses all of life's circumstances. Regardless of what you're experiencing, that you can experience joy in the middle of that situation. But blessed is he or she who keeps the law. But blessed is the person that plays by the rules. Jesus summed up the law, the Mosaic law. He said, it's simple. You love God and you love people with all that you have, every ounce of strength, every ounce of your being, you just, you love God and you love his people. And and Solomon is saying, if you do that, you're going to be blessed. Essentially what he's saying is he's saying, if you want a blessed life, you have to be obedient to what God says to do. And conversely, if we don't do the things that God says to do, it's going to be difficult to be blessed. Are you with me? So what's that first part? You need a prophetic vision. Everybody needs a vision for their life. And I'm telling you, if you think your vision is just going to church on Sunday morning, your vision is terrible. And if you think Jesus just wants to forgive you and that's kind of the vision, that's a terrible vision. That is a weak vision. He wants so much more than to just simply save you. Every time you throw a gutter ball, it's all right, I saved you from that. No, 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 no. He wants to teach you how to live life, how to have abundant life, life full of joy, full of love and hope and grace and mercy and all of these wonderful things. We just got to play by it. And it takes obedience. So how do you get a vision from God? I want to get very practical here. Number one in your notes, go ahead and pull those out. Number one in your notes, you need to trust that God really does want to communicate with you. Not just like intellectually, Like you live your life, you walk around, you wake up in the morning, you go to bed, and all throughout the day, you know, you trust that God is radically and passionately pursuing you, trying to communicate with you. He will do this through a million different ways. Here's some practical ones. I'll read them off to you. He'll do this through the Bible. He'll do this through prayer. The Holy Spirit is going to nudge you in the most random ways. You can be in a restaurant and you just kind of get this nudge and you're like, I feel like God is trying to tell me something. Um, or you're in the car driving and a song comes up on the radio, Christian or non, and it just speaks to your soul, right? The Holy Spirit can use some of that stuff. Um, dreams and actual visions, yes. Uh, worship and praise. You ever been singing a song in church and you just feel God moving on your heart? Happens all the time. Uh, sermons. Um, simple conversations with other people. He does this throughout creation as you're walking around in nature. Not today. This is more like a a depiction of hell, but you know, (laughs) sorry, but here's the deal. I I want to stress this point. God wants to speak to you in, in a very special and tangible way that you can understand. See, God didn't make you one way so that he could communicate with you like in another way that's hard for you to understand. Like there's a bunch of riddle. It's a mass, it, it, it's this massive puzzle you have to put together and then you'll get the revelation from God. No. He wants to speak to you and you're unique. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I love Kurt and it, it, it's so fun working with him, but I don't know if you know this or not. We're two drastically different people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're different people. Um, and, and here's what I love about Kurt because here's how his morning starts off. Uh, He'll wake up in the morning And he'll lay in bed And he'll come before the lord and he'll say lord. Thank you for the breath That I just had Lord, thank you For the peace For the air conditioning that's made the home 72 degrees not too warm, but not too cold just Just right and lord the coffee i'm about to drink. It reminds me of a psalm actually 47 of them (laughs) And he recites them Now, here's the deal. That works for Kurt because God made Kurt that way. That doesn't work for Steve. By the way, he's done all this by like 4.35 a.m. You know what I mean? Like he's done. I wake up at seven o'clock with the alarm going off. And my first thought is, I'm late. And I got to run around and do everything. I don't listen. I don't have time. I don't have time to sit there. Lord, would you help me? I mean, maybe I do, right? But but I don't. My brain just doesn't work that way. I ask my wife. There's nothing going on up here in the morning. <laughs> nothing. Even after a cup of coffee, she's like, "Hello," and I'm like, "I'm doing my thing." But but listen, listen. Get me in a circle with people. Put me on a mountain bike up in the hills. In in the afternoon, opening up the Bible and just reading a little bit. I'm I'm telling you, the vision. God wanting to communicate with me, abundantly clear. Because that's how God made me. And listen, for some of you, you've been trying to wake up in the morning and you're just, you're not wired that way and you feel so guilty about it. Stop it. He's not trying to communicate with you that way. If you're a night owl, stay up late. If you're a morning person, get up in the morning. If you're an introvert, stay introverted. If you're an extrovert, be an extrovert. you you know what I mean? But God wants to communicate with you the way that you will hear it. This is so this is very very important. I know i'm harping on it, but it's so important My spiritual life would be a a hot mess if I operated the way kurt does And kurt knows this if he operated the way I do he's like "Mm -hmm." But that that's the beauty of us. There's there's so much diversity And I just I get encouraged because kurt is waking up in the morning and he's praying for his staff He's praying for the congregation. that That's me. That's you Now I do that but it's not at four o'clock in the morning same thing is true for you. I know you do. I know you do. And God is doing it the way that you are wired. Um, Let's go to the second one. Number two, uh, Number two. position yourself so that you can actually hear from God. There are so many distractions in this world. There are over 3,000 advertisements that you will face every single day. Radio, television, your phone, social media, billboards, whatever it is, there are 3,000 messages that are hitting you and buying for your attention. Constantly. That's not even including your to-do list and your family responsibilities and everything else you have to do at work. If you want to connect with God, you have to you have to position yourself so that you can hear from Him. And I'm telling you, you need to radically eliminate hurry from your life. You have to get rid of hurry. You cannot love someone in a hurry. You ever try to listen to someone in a hurry? You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. okay, no, okay, how about no? You can't do it. You're like, all right, God, you got five minutes. Okay, I'm off. I don't know why God doesn't speak to me. Because again, our rules, our timetable. He goes, no, 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 I'm not playing that game. There's a different game. I want to give you some help and take out your phones and take pictures. I don't have time to walk through all of these things, but uh, I want to give you some help. There's a book by Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. And he has three categories of spiritual disciplines. These are simply tools that you and I can use to position ourselves so we're not distracted. They don't make you holy or righteous, right? Just like reading your Bible, that doesn't make you like a good holy Christian. It's it's the application of reading the scriptures. Are you with me? So same thing with these tools. You're not a spiritual person because you did one of these things. You're a spiritual person because you've communicated and connected with God. And this was a tool to help. Okay, so let me very quickly, I'll go through these. Um, the first one are the inward disciplines. These are meditation, prayer, fasting, and Bible study. These are things that you do on your own. Meditation, think, um, read a passage and just let it dwell in your mind all day long, all day long. Prayer, you, you know prayer, we do this. Fasting, going without food. Every time your tummy goes and gurgles or whatever, um, that's a reminder, okay, God is my provider. I can I can focus on him. My stomach does not drive my life. It is Jesus who does this, right? Bible study, actual Bible study, not a devotion, but really digging into the scriptures. You have outward disciplines. Those were internal. These are all outward. Um, Living a life of simplicity, of solitude. There's one for extroverts. That is so difficult for me, which is probably why I need to do it. Submission, not having to have my way all the time serving people. By the way, these are all things that Jesus did. You've got corporate disciplines as well. These are things that we do as a church, right? You've got confession, you've got worship guidance, which is biblical wisdom. It's kind of what we're, we're doing here. Um, and celebration. These are just tools that will help you position yourself to hear from God. Because like I said, there's so many distractions in the world. And number three in your notes, lastly, simply this, you need to act on God's vision with faith. Act on God's vision with faith. This is this is trust. This is confidence. This is what faith is. Um, he's going to give you a vision, and you need to actually do it. If you're like me, he'll give me a vision that says, Steve, go this way. And I'm like, yeah, but God, I want this thing. And he goes, no, no, I didn't give you a vision for that. I give you a vision for this. I need you to do, focus on this. I can remember in college being like, Lord, would you just, you know, I, I think I'm ready. Would you show me show me that woman I'm going to marry? I want to I meet her. And like, oh, Lord, just, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this thing. And then the Holy Spirit going, Steve, you got to work on your patience. And I go, okay, I'm ready, God. What's the vision? Show me the woman. He says, no, you got to work on your patience. And I say, okay, I think I'm done. Ready. Let's go, God. He goes, no, 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 you need to work on your patience. And I go, God, that's not the prayer. And he goes, listen, Steve, if you don't, if you don't figure out this patience thing now, you're going to destroy your marriage. Sometimes friends, listen, sometimes the thing that we were praying for, God will not give it to us now he's got to work something out in our soul and our character over here so that when we get the thing we're praying for we don't screw it up but the only way you and i can hear from god and catch that vision is if we take time to position ourselves to do it i want to read just the very beginning of james chapter 1 verse 22 it says don't merely listen to the word that's what we do here at church and deceive yourselves do what it says Friends, the blessing is found in the doing. It is the obedience. That's where we get the vision from God. Now, as, as we wrap up, I want to give you five, and I'll go quick, but five practical visions that I think God may want to, may want to be communicating to all of us. So I, I want to invite the band to come on up. And you can put your notes away. And I want you to just, just, just focus in. Just, just look. Look up here and just listen. Because I believe in this moment and don't go, don't get hurt. You got nowhere to go. It's hotter than snot outside, right? You're going to camp out in here anyways. But listen, listen, in this moment, don't rush this moment. Don't rush it. The temptation is to rush. I know. But I'm going to give you five areas of life that I think God may be speaking to you and wanting to give you a vision. He may want to communicate with you in this area of your life. And let's not miss it. So. The first area, and, and these are just found in the Bible. If you want a vision from God, I suggest start reading your Bible. That's a great beginning point. So the first one, I want to talk to those of you who are married. Maybe the vision for your marriage is simply this. It's found in Ephesians five twenty one. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Maybe for you and your marriage and your love for your spouse, it's, it, it's no longer... Maybe you stop trying to get your own way and you submit to them. It's husbands submitting to wives, wives submitting to husbands. It's, it's men and women out serving one another. And maybe, maybe that's the vision that God wants to speak to you for your marriage. Maybe for some of you in a job, it's just a job and you're burnt out. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving and maybe for you when you show up to the office on Monday the vision that you need to have for your life is that I am doing this unto the Lord and I'm going to make him proud maybe another category is your finances 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Maybe for some of you, your finances have been in control of your life and you have not been in control of your finances. And God wants to give you some freedom from that. And simply say, hey, in my kingdom, there's an abundance. You can give and you will not run out. Don't rely on all your earthly possessions and on your money to sustain you and to give you life. No, 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 no. Rely in Jesus. Maybe that's a vision for some of you. It's it's found in the generosity. Number four, in your thoughts, maybe it's the vision for your mind that you need to start thinking differently. Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Maybe tonight when the kids go to bed and the house is quiet, you put your phone away, you turn off Netflix and you say, speak Lord. And you carve out time. Maybe it's that conversation with your spouse that you've been putting off for a long time. It's a phone call to your parents. It's something, but you've created a moment there where God can speak to you and give you a vision. And you start thinking positive things. You start thinking things that are heavenly, that are good. And you get out of the depression, the confusion, the anxiety, and the chaos. And then the last one is simply this, the vision for your relationship with Jesus. He's got one for you. Do you have one? I can't give you a verse. This is your assignment this week. As you go throughout the week, God wants to speak to you in a way that you can hear and understand. You and I, we simply have to position ourselves so that we can hear it. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray and then we're going to close by singing one more song. Lord, I pray that we would be your people. That we would do our best to eliminate distraction and hurry from our life and we would focus it on you and the vision that you give us corporately, yes, as a church, but also uniquely and individually. God, would we be faithful in carrying those things out and when we do, would we find the freedom that you have promised each and every one of us? Speak, Lord, your people have gathered. We want to hear from you and we want to leave this place changed. We pray this in Christ's name and everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's sing one more song.